0: What are you? Treasuring? Fort Asset Control?
1: I'm in the CIA. What do you want from me? Your employers won't know you work for us. The people you love won't know you do either. It's gonna get lonely, but it's how we like to do things. Come on, you can do better than that. I can, and I do, and so do the people in my unit. Which unit is that? The one that makes sure we don't get hit again.
2: Now Playing's Tom Clancy Movie Retrospective Series. You're not a field man, Jack. You never were. You are an analyst. Analyze that. Join us each week as we watch and review all the film adaptations of Tom Clancy's novels. Welcome to the CIA, sport. Hosted by Jacob. It is an honor to speak to you today. Stuart.
3: No one understands this material better than you.
2: And Arnie cold the way i see it that's my job this podcast may contain detailed plot spoilers and harsh language
0: there's a very real scenario here where we don't get out of this alive
2: listener discretion is advised start the music
3: recording to yeti recording today we are podcasting without remorse starring michael b jordan jamie bell Jody Turner Smith, Luke Mitchell, Jack Kessie, Red Gelman, Lauren London, Coleman Domingo, and Guy Pierce, directed by Stefano Salima. This is the now playing co host to. Am I the comedian? Am I the smartass? Or am I the badass? No matter what, I'm Arnie. And Stuart. And this is now playing's pawn, Jacob. Finally! Weren't we supposed to review this last year? I mean, that there's a
0: whole bunch of movies we were supposed to do last year.
3: But in this case, we actually started a retrospective series to build up to this movie's weekend of release. We reviewed all of the Tom Clancy movies, the Jack Ryan quadrilogy, leading up to this Amazon Prime release. <laughs> It wasn't supposed
1: to be that way, but yeah, it was going to come out last summer when people still held on to the pathetic belief that movie theaters would be open. Yeah, were you going to go to a double feature of Tenet in this? Yeah, and then it it was October, and then when it didn't make its October release... It went away from theaters entirely. That's when it went from being a Paramount tent pole. Yes, it's the sixth movie we've made with Tom Clancy properties. And suddenly became, oh, Amazon's going to stream it sometime. You know, they got a Jack Ryan show. I don't know. Who knows when it'll be? And I like, it sent me into a panic. I literally was every few weeks being like, without remorse, Googling it all the time. There was a Super Bowl ad. Oh, behind the scenes.
0: Yeah, the Super Bowl. You're like, it's coming out, guys. It's coming out. I- I
1: was convinced.
0: Clear your schedule. We got
1: to (laughs) record. Michael B. Jordan's in an ad for Alexa. And it involves a woman that's seeing him everywhere. She looks at a bus and they're in large print without remorse. I'm like, God damn it, that's gonna run on the Super Bowl, and then afterwards, they're gonna just release the movie. <laughs> we need to just clear the weekend after the Super Bowl, because this is finally coming out. Yeah, they're
0: gonna do a Cloverfield paradox on us.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've really been scarred, I think, by that Cloverfield for lots of reasons. But yes, I have been waiting for a long time to see the conclusion of what we began last summer in the Ryan verse. Now we're getting sort of the side story of his friend, I guess we could describe Clark as some kind of compatriot of Jack Ryan.
3: And just to remind people, because it's been a long time since we reviewed those Jack Ryan movies, this John Clark was played by Willem Dafoe in Clear and Present Danger, and I was excited for this because I like Michael B. Jordan and I really liked Willem Dafoe's character in Clear and Present Danger. I'm like, give me a full movie of that. I was so game. So, if you're wondering who John Clark is, we have seen him before. Twice! Played by two different actors, and now a third actor. And so many others up for it. It should just be pointed
1: out that they've been wanting to make this. This was going to be a big Christmas release back in 1995. They They were like, we're going to get Keanu Reeves. He was just in this big movie, Speed, and he can be this (laughs) character because we bought the rights to Tom Clancy's Without Remorse. It's going to be our next big hit after Clear and Present Danger.
3: Exactly how does a movie take 25 years to get made? (laughs) Well, I can actually tell you that
1: one. It's a guess, but I feel like a pretty educated one. I do know for a fact that Tom Clancy, we talked about it, was not happy with the later movie adaptations because they changed so much about his work and one of the stipulations of selling without remorse was that he was going to have a lot more creative control over how the screenplay went. He was not going to see it get altered and, in his mind, hurt by the Hollywood process.
0: I'm just going to guess that's why this came out after he has passed. Because yes,
1: he had to die.
0: Yeah, I vaguely remember this book. I read it. I don't remember reading a lot about what I saw in this movie. They seem like very different things for my memory.
1: Well, it's a hazy memory for me, and I read it last year. But yes, I picked up this gargantuan 750-page book Because I thought the movie was coming out within weeks and read it. I wasn't going to reread it, let me tell you that. What does it look like with this movie we're here to talk about today? Well, there's a Navy SEAL called John Kelly. He's got a pregnant wife that's killed, but it's by a drunk driver. And he does want to get revenge, but not for her. But not for the wife, yeah. Yeah, six (laughs) months later, he falls in love with a hooker strung out on drugs. She's murdered by her pimp. And so, it's John Kelly versus street thugs.
0: Yeah, my memory was, it was a pretty good Punisher novel. Like, he goes out, pretends to be a homeless man to get revenge on a gang, basically. And then there's some Vietnam stuff thrown in there that I don't really
1: remember. Yeah, it's kind of a departure for Clancy. I will just say, he was kind of in a grieving process. You know, his celebrity had brought him in touch with fans and he would sometimes hear their heartbreak stories and a fan introduced him to his six six six-year-old kid dying of cancer and this book was dedicated to that child like Tom Clancy hung out with that kid and went to Disney World and really thought about what losing a family would be and wanted to write a story from you know not his technical manual how do you assemble a submarine but more from the how do we speak to grief and and heart and 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 that would be all interesting you're right that kind of sounds like death wish punisher rambo except clancy can't stop himself from being clancy i mean in the end there's also a second book stuffed into this one that when john clark isn't trying to kill pimps he is going back to Vietnam to rescue prisoners of war. And there's all of this other stuff setting up Jack Ryan and other characters from the more military angle of the universe. It's a prequel, too, so I want to point out this is happening in the 1970s. Which is why I think they went with Gary Sinise after Keanu Reeves said no. Sinise had just done Forrest Gump. He was known. His big mission is about taking care of vets. He would be
3: a good choice for this. Was he too busy filming Imposter? Oh,
1: I think in the end, my guess is in the 90s, Tom Clancy is hot and apparently they tried to do a lot to, like, okay we'll set it in Vietnam and we'll, we'll do all of this, but it's a 750 page book with over 100 characters, and if you are going to be completely faithful to it, that's a three or four night miniseries. And I don't think that Tom Clancy ever understood the screenwriting process and what it is to alter and change things so that they work on the screen. He wanted to make this epic Death Wish movie with nothing changed it was Platoon and Death Wish all rolled in one, and I think they tried to do it for a while, and when they couldn't get that draft of the script that he would accept, you know, times had changed. Clancy movies weren't hot in the 2000s. It was all about Jason Bourne and superhero and gladiator movies, and you have shit like Tom Clancy's Net Force on TV, it's (laughs) policing the internet, like 9-11. I mean, I brought it up before, but 9-11 changed world politics, so... Seeing this, all this old Cold War stuff that he writes about, it just felt dated. Like he doesn't speak to the times anymore after September 9-11. You really need a Russia. You really need to go back to the Cold War, which is, I think, why Shadow Recruit focused so heavily on, like, let's get the characters to Russia. Let's think about the old Soviet Union, how it creates this identity for America. That's what this movie does, though. Yeah, exactly. If you're going to be faithful to Tom Clancy, you have to have it be about those Cold War politics. And if Shadow Recruit had been a success, this was going to be the sequel. Without Remorse was going to be Kevin Costner mentoring a Clark character, I think played by Tom Hardy, who makes sense. He is kind
3: of an edgy young actor. He's kind of a young Willem Dafoe. I could see that kind of working. But we ended up here. We ended up direct to Prime. I was surprised that they did that. I mean, I know Amazon releases movies, but even Manchester by the Sea was in theaters before it was on Amazon. This... I remember we had some discussions. Are they going to do reshoots? Are they going to tie into the Jack Ryan TV series on Amazon? Is that why they bought this? But they bought this movie
0: complete. Like, Paramount had finished it, and then Amazon just bought the rights to release it?
1: I wish I had answers for you guys. I hear the confusion, and I do think something happened when it was changed from Paramount big studio theatrical release intended for summer movie audiences to something that's going to stream and maybe connect to a TV show. Something clearly has been altered. Yeah,
0: this feels like it's missing those big explosive action pieces I would expect to see in the big screen.
1: I will say this. If you were trying to resurrect a Clancyverse in 2020... I don't think you could get a better team of people than who they got. The best Tom Clancy movie that never got made, probably, is Sicario. Love it, yes. It's a very clinical look at the Mexico-U.S. border drug wars. It's got that quality of feeling both cerebral and macho. Like, there's action in it, but it's sort of like minimalist in a way that you won't see outrageous stunts and superhero kind of stuff. It it feels real world enough that it almost feels like body cam footage, but really gorgeous looking body cam footage. And that movie was written by Taylor Sheridan. He is here adapting this book at least initially. I think he did get rewritten by the producer. Also credited, Oscar nominated for Hell or High Water, Wind River. There's a new Angelina Jolie movie out this week, Those Who Wish Me Dead. All of this is his work. So, so one I really admire is adapting this difficult book. And the director Stefano Salima, he made the sequel to Sicario. Not so good, in
0: my opinion. Yeah, that was a disappointment. They got the wrong Sicario director.
1: Well We'll maybe do that one day. We even talked about covering it now, but it just didn't work out. But I, I like that movie as well. Not as good. He also cut his teeth on TV shows that feel like they were Sicario TV shows. Gamora is about the Italian mafia in Sicily. Zero, Zero, Zero is on Amazon Prime. It's about watching a boat full of cocaine and changing hands. Slow Burn. If he is from the school of anything, It's not Marvel, it's Michael Mann. You know, it's all that slow burn poetry, male machismo posturing, that clinical camera work with all those clean lines, that new age score. Like, I have problems with Michael Mann as a storyteller, but I really do like his visual aesthetic sensibilities. And I do think this director that they got to make this uh, has those sensibilities and could probably do a very good job. And of course, Michael B. Jordan, we've been talking about it for years. He seems like he's always going to be the next big thing. I feel like he's always just waiting for that role that's really going to deliver him to the superstardom. Right now, I think the closest he's got has been Creed. Absolutely, yeah. Which still feels like it's in the shadow of Stallone. Like, I don't feel like it's his franchise. Because he refuses to die in those movies.
3: Yeah, I don't know how to take this. I like Michael B. Jordan a lot as an actor. I can't tell if it's ego or what. It kind of bristles me because during his press tour for Without Remorse, he was asked if Stallone's going to be back for Creed 3. And Jordan's just like, no, no. This is a Creed movie. There's no more Rocky. We're gonna be Creed from now on. I'm like, okay. Does Stallone have a pulse? Then it's a Rocky movie.
1: And that's the trouble, is I feel like, yeah, I you know, like I like this actor, but like he just gets stuck in things that don't get encores. You know, he played the villain in Black Panther, so he's not coming back. And-
0: oh no, there have been demands for him to be the new Black Panther to replace Boseman.
3: It might happen he cannot confirm nor deny involvement in Black Panther 2 now.
1: Oh, wow. Well, that would be an excellent choice. I would want nothing better for that franchise and for him.
0: Retcon that death. Yeah. Make Killmonger Black Panther.
1: But just taken from the perspective of like, that was a one-off initially. And then the the hero role that he signs up for is Fantastic Four. You know, you can just <laughs> feel like this guy really needs his break. Why not give him... John Clark. This seems like something that he could make his own. No no offense to Willem Dafoe, but no one has enough association with this character that they're going to be comparing him too much with the past. And he could really do something cool with it. These three guys could really make a great without remorse. So why didn't it happen? I don't know. Your questions are like what got changed and when? Obviously, COVID hit. Obviously, it took a year for reshoots to happen. Obviously, there are two different studios and screenwriters that came in and then got rewritten. I can only guess that a lot of what we're watching today was not what they intended when they rolled cameras in 2019. You'd think? Oh, I'm sure of it. I, I would lay down my life that at least half of this movie has been changed to make it a lead-in to a Rainbow Six film.
3: Oh no, that is until the case, isn't it? As far as what I've read, Michael B. Jordan has been confirmed to have signed on for the Rainbow Six sequel. Right, but now working for Amazon, who
1: has a Jack Ryan series, who already had an established identity with where Tom Clancy was let me just put it this way. I think of this screenwriter and this director as being very clinical and cynical. I think that they would have a lot of things to say about current politics. And I feel like almost none of that really comes through in this final version. Like, we will find out that, like, there's almost no villain to this movie. I don't know who the villain is still, and I've watched it. I couldn't tell you why and what they hope to accomplish and what the war would have done. No. I guess we're getting into plot stuff. So maybe, Arnie, you, you can give him the plot to without remorse. It's not the plot from Tom Clancy, but we can try to get through this. Do you want the three-sentence version or the
3: 20-sentence version? (laughs) Probably (laughs) 20 just to, you know, fill up the time. Michael B. Jordan plays Navy SEAL John Kelly. His team is tasked with rescuing a CIA agent held captive in Aleppo, but on the mission, Kelly realizes the captors are ex-Russian military, not Syrians. Mission lead Robert Ritter, a CIA agent played by Jamie Bell, seems unconcerned. The Russians retaliate and kill two members of John's squad, then come to John's house to kill him. They kill John's pregnant wife, and John kills one of the gunmen, but in a shootout, John and the other gunmen are wounded, but the assassin gets away. Curiously, there are dead Russians in John's house that John didn't kill, but John wants revenge for his wife, and Secretary of Defense Thomas Clay, played by Guy Pearce so you know you can't trust him, seems inclined to give it to him. John gets the name of a Russian diplomat and ambushes the Russian at the airport, setting the diplomat's car on fire. And then John gets into the burning car to get a name from the dying Russian, Viktor Rykov.
1: That's the badass part. It's one thing to let someone's car on fire,
3: to then climb into the back seat with them. That's something else. That, seriously, I was like, (laughs) whoa, that was some badassery. John's arrested for murder, but the Secretary of Defense gets him out just long enough that he can go with the team to track Rykov in Russia. But when John gets to Rykov, Rykov reveals himself to be a CIA agent, then commits suicide. John comes to the conclusion his team was sent to Russia to be killed, and since Russian agents were found in America, and now American agents would be found in Russia, this would start a war. John prepares to sacrifice himself so his team can escape. If John is captured, he's an American criminal, but not an American soldier. The team leave as John provides cover, but John's able to get out as well. Back in America, John takes Secretary of Defense Clay hostage, and Clay admits that he was trying to start the war with Russia so Americans would stop fighting each other... And it would boost the American economy. Yeah, I think he's going to need more than a dead Michael B. Jordan in order to pull that off.
0: Yeah, our, our relationships during the Trump administration, things started to feel really divided with the American citizenship, like there was a lot of criticism of Russia. It did not unite us. I think the divisiveness started under Obama, or. Oh, it started way before even then, but yeah. Reagan.
3: So, as revenge, John drives Clay's SUV into the water, killing the Secretary of Defense. With his revenge satisfied, Ritter gives John a new identity as John Clark, and Clark wants to start a multinational counter-terrorism team called Rainbow, as credits roll. And what I was talking about when we get started
1: here, there's a prologue in Aleppo Syria. When I'm talking about the way that it's clinical and cool, but not superhero and overly parkour, I love this moment that kicks it off. There are these ripples in the water. Two guys are standing next to a reservoir in a burned out building. And all of a sudden, one gets pulled in and another
3: one shot. It's just cool. I forgot what I was watching initially, and I'm like, oh, it's a horror movie. There's the ripple in the water. Somebody's pulled under. Are we watching a shark film? Kind
1: of, but but what a badass way to introduce your hero. Like, coming out of the water, here's Michael B. Jordan. Right now, he's identifying as John Kelly, not John Clark. That's the arc of this movie is how he gets that last name and that identity. He looks human. He's in a relatable conflict, and yet it's got something... Yeah. Sleek, stylish, artistic. I'm in the movie. Do, do you think they picked Aleppo
0: on purpose like remember Gary Johnson the libertarian presidential candidate when Hillary versus Trump was going on and they asked him about Aleppo and he's like Aleppo and that was actually good like people actually looked up what was going on in Aleppo because this guy had, had no idea what was going on but like I do feel like that's still kind of like, a, like I had to refresh myself okay what was going on in Aleppo during this time okay civil war none of that's really going to matter though because it's all going to be focused on the Russians eventually
1: yes this is Syria and that conflict, and more importantly, the immigrant crisis that came out of all those people fleeing that country, has had major repercussions on U.S.-Russian relations. So it is, I think, a defining battle right now. It's very contemporary uh, that we're thinking about it. And that the idea that these are not Syrians that have kidnapped a CIA agent, but Russians... Could lead to something that does feel ripped from the headlines, but ultimately, very quickly, we'll go away from that. We'll run as far as it can away from anything that might be deemed controversial.
3: I'm liking this opening, though. Again, I'm not thinking it's the same person who pulled the person under the water and did the underwater sniping of the other guards. It's, you know, a a SEAL team there, but... Michael B. Jordan is the first one we see. He's the one who gives a little bit of talk back to the CIA agent who is being vague. Ben
1: Grimm! It's a Fantastic Four reunion!
3: (laughs) Do you have any idea how long it took me to come up with where do I know the name Jamie Bell from? Well, he was a child star. He was in
1: Billy Elliot, and he's actually a very good dancer. But, like, yeah, this is a strange role for him, and I feel like he really wants to telegraph early. I am the problem. I am giving you bad intel. I am your enemy. I Just the way he glowers at Michael B. Jordan. You just feel like these two have some kind of beef and we've been introduced to the real villain being the CIA.
0: Yeah. I, oh, I was totally sucked in by Ritter. I'm like, okay, this is going to be the bad guy of the movie. Like, I, I should have known they were trying to make him look too bad at the beginning here. Right. But yes, definitely he is not a character to be trusted. He knew Russians were the ones holding this hostage. He did not tell this Navy
1: deep state right like we're thinking like yeah there's some kind of collusion there's something going on
3: and i'm thinking back to the old tom clancy movies especially clear and present danger where the cia was working against the military and burning all those people and harrison ford had to hack a computer really quickly i mean (laughs) i'm thinking that this is where it's going to go that there is a deep conspiracy going on already and So I'm kind of liking this. I'm liking where it's going. I did think this was going to be more of a team picture than it ended up being, though, because when Ritter says to Kelly, are you a comedian, and the other team members speak up like, this guy's the smartass, he's the badass, I'm thinking, okay, we're going to have a SEAL team movie where we have a comedian, and we have a badass, and we have all these things, and Michael B. Jordan being the badass will be the star. There's people who follow Michael B. Jordan around in the movie. I can't say this is exactly the A-team or even the B-team. Yeah, at one point they're going to
0: say, like, let's drop our code names. We're going to die. So here's our real names. And I'll, and then they just go back to their code names for the rest of the fight. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't feel like a team movie. It does feel like a solo Kelly film with some people around him.
1: And that's the second team, it should be pointed out. This The first team gets whacked. That's the surprise. Does the whole team get whacked?
0: We see two get killed i thought this mission is going to be there to get rid-, rid of the rest
3: of the team there were at least five or six people in this early team
1: yes and we will also we will definitely we haven't even brought up the female seal yet
3: but we will be following her she will be a
1: sidekick throughout this but no luke mitchell and cam Gigadit are big enough that yes they could be supporting players that one from twilight one from agents of shield you would think maybe it's like a Mission Impossible. Sp- surprise, you know, when Emilio gets killed in the opening sting, like maybe this was
3: designed to to throw you off base. Neither of the people you mentioned are Amelia level, Pip Stewart. Do not insult Emilio like that. Not to us, but maybe <laughs> to younger people.
1: I mean, I don't know. I didn't see burlesque, but apparently this guy's a really good dancer in burlesque.
3: I don't know. <laughs> and there's a big party for some reason, and we see John Kelly's I don't know who these kids are playing chess, but John's going to come up and make a chess move quickly and be like, I'm helping you out. And that creates, for the rest of this film, this metaphor about how John Kelly's a pawn, but a pawn can take a king and all of this. And then when they meet Rykov later, Rykov is also a chess expert. They say a pawn can't take a king. Is a pawn not allowed to kill the king in chess? I a pawn alone cannot take a king, but a pawn with another piece can be the fatal of Yeah, you get that king into a checkmate situation, a pawn can be part of that checkmate. Yes, A pawn can take a king, which he says early on in his revenge, but then later when he's downtrodden, he goes, I guess a pawn can't take a king. I do get thrown
0: off guard with the character's name is Rowdy. He's going to take the trash out and a garbage truck or a van just comes by and just totally takes him out. You talk about having more of that technical precision view of of the violence and the action all that. This feels very much like that. Just a car comes and takes him out. It's not shot spectacularly, but it it caught me off guard.
1: Yeah. Another guy's in gridlock in Atlanta talking to his wife, the van uh, in front of him, the doors open and he's gunned down
0: based on that first kill I'm like okay they're gonna try to make these look like accidental deaths maybe but yeah then you have some guys just get out of a van and shoot someone up I'm like okay they're not trying to cover this up because my prediction was oh this is Ritter taking out the team because they know about those Russians and he's gotta cover up everything about those Russians and so it was weird that it was so obviously an attack I I guess there's gonna be reasons for that later though
1: here's where I immediately begin to suspect things have been changed like it's already I'm feeling like, it's too hard a, a, an adjustment. We need to, like, have grounded this more. I don't know. Like, I already feel like Amazon might be the ones doing the whacking. Like, they're just like, oh, we're not going to follow the plot as it was scripted. We're going to take out these characters and. Put our focus on Michael, who, again, when we see his pregnant wife, Pam, she was always going to be dead meat. She was dead meat in the novel. And here when, yeah, she's dancing with her husband and talking about how she's due in a month and he's got a new job in the private security sector and he'll never have to go on another SEAL team mission again. We we all know this cliché.
0: Oh, the fact that he's like, I'm going to go listen to music downstairs. She's like, don't stay down there too long. But I'm like, okay, you're separating them now so one could die.
1: Giant headphones. Yeah, Yeah. it's 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 almost kind of funny, really. Like, it's not intended to be. And it's certainly not funny to watch a pregnant woman get gunned down in her bed. But there's something, like, overly dramatic, overwrought about the way that they've set her up.
0: I don't know if I'd say funny, it just feels very rote, very cliche, like, I've seen this a bunch before. And, and maybe that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it just feels very familiar and very, again, you, you look at those other Clancy films we talked about, huge world wars about to break out, nuclear weapons, like, this feels very small.
3: Yeah, when you say funny, yeah, I agree, killing a pregnant woman, killing anybody is never funny, but the way this is set up, so trite, you, you gotta laugh at the writing of it, you have gotta laugh at the obviousness of it. And it is such a bloodless death. The assassin walks into the bedroom... I don't know if she has a body pillow that she likes to sleep with at night. It looks
0: like there's a body pillow next to her under the bed. I guess that's why they thought there was two people in there.
3: And she's got, what, the covers pulled up over her head? Over her face! You (laughs) never see her. And so you just see somebody shoot two lumps in a bed, not a drop of blood, not a facial expression. It does not feel like humans are being killed here. What is this rated? PG?
0: It's gotta be PG-13.
3: Do ratings even matter when things stream?
0: I have no idea. You could put parental settings on there to block things. They gave this an R? This is R? Yeah. I don't remember an F word. I don't remember anything gratuitous.
1: R for violence.
0: Some of the physical violence I think is well choreographed, but I never feel like it's R-rated violence.
1: Even more baffling, we knew that she, obviously these killers are coming for John and they didn't know he was, you know, downstairs listening to his tunes. There's like six of them. Go to different rooms in this house. Don't want all go to the same room. Well, this is the thing. After the assassination is done, one assassin turns to the other and shoots him. So the intent was to leave a Russian dead in this bedroom as well. Because, again, the logic of this movie is, if we find out that Russians are on our soil doing things, we will start an armed conflict? And my takeaway
0: is John wasn't supposed to be killed because they want this team to end up in Russia so
1: U.S. troops could be found over there, I think, maybe, question mark. But they'd shoot him twice and he's almost almost doesn't pull through from that. So if that if the plan
3: was that he would recover. I'm just going by what they say later on in the film. <laughs> I know, I know. I think the plan was to kill him, but since he was alive, they decided that he was someone they could use instead of just having to worry about offing him again or sidelining him. Although they try to kill him again in prison. Yeah, there will be very little about this plot... That feels like it was written by an
1: Oscar-nominated ni- screenwriter. And so I really do just believe whatever the real mission was, it was left on the cutting room floor because it's easier to set this thing up for a Rainbow Six sequel than it is to tell the cynical one-off story that they were headed toward.
3: Does his wife like rainbows? Do we hear anything about rainbows in these early scenes? I don't know. Is he coming out at the end? I'm not
0: sure. Yeah, he says that rainbow is something personal to him. I don't I don't remember any rainbows early on in this film
1: it comes at the end it is it is there but I, my secret hope was that he would finally be like my favorite movie's rainbow bright and the star steel like <laughs> yeah. that, i did want him to like <laughs> Find out there was like some silly reason that he wanted a rainbow team. But yes, I believe the motivation here uh, is that he is wanting revenge on his wife's killer. It's not political. I've got to find this Russian guy and that's going to pull me back from the dead. I'm going to survive injuries that should have taken me out. I'm going to build up my body again. We've seen this stuff a million times.
3: He didn't fall on his knees and scream to the heavens, but just about every other thing. Just to think this through, okay, so Rykov is a deep cover CIA agent who has infiltrated Russia and is seen as one of these Russian guys. The CIA is organizing the hits on the SEALs who attacked the Russians. So somewhere in the CIA or the Secretary of Defense, someone said, let's take Rykov and use him on these hits because that makes sense. And we're killing this
1: team specifically because they were in Aleppo and found out that Russians were there and we didn't want them to find that out. But then we, I, I, I'm stopping you. I'm stopping myself. Don't, we will not be looking at the plot of this anymore because it hurts. It is like touching your hand against a burning fire. Like there's no reason to keep sticking it out there. It will hurt you. It will never make sense. Never. Tom
0: Clancy's got to be rolling in his grave for what they did to his novel.
1: Yeah, I'll just put it out there. I'm not a fan of the novel, but I understand what he was trying to intend to do with it. And this certainly is a bastardization of that novel. It's ironic that this was the one he was
3: most protective of because it's the one that is least like uh, what's on the pitch. And he's in the hospital for a while right I mean we see him doing physical therapy we see him barely alive he has a nightmare that comes back we are told he is not expected to survive so I'm assuming you know much like Jack Ryan shadow recruit this guy's in the hospital for a while Yes,
1: right. And and maybe there were more scenes of that. Maybe there was dramatic moments. What I suspect is there's probably a lot more of his dream sequences with his wife. He has one moment where he's lying on a gurney and he's imagining he's having sex with her in the leaves. Like, it's really kind of a strange <laughs> turn on for him. It sort of motivates the idea that, like, she's in heaven waiting for him. So he's going to go get revenge on this and then he'll die and be with her.
3: So he goes home... The police tape is still up months later? Yeah. They they don't clean up their mess. Like, <laughs> it, that is up to the homeowner to take care of. That That is true to life. I just think somebody would take down police tape in a few months. Maybe not.
0: Yeah, does he have a relative that could have gone and cleaned up the house before he came home? Does he have to see that bed missing? And yeah, it looks like they've they've ripped up floorboards for evidence or something.
1: No, he doesn't have a relative. He has Karen Greer. If you remember, Jim Greer was the boss of Jack Ryan, James Earl Jones, in most of the movies. This is the niece. Now, they, this is something they had to do, because in the book, you know, obviously that was a prequel, and so they could have that character earlier back in, in the Vietnam era, but we're so far removed from that now, and, you know, we're now in a time where we're looking at ways to expand diversity, and can we make characters that weren't written as black females into black females? I will say it's quite a stretch to say that this model is going to be a Navy SEAL.
0: Okay, I, I figured this actress. I don't know who she is, but was a model. She's so tall and just
1: looks like a model. She's so terrible in this movie. Like, I hate. First of all, I've hated her since her last movie, Queen and Slim, which was a movie I believed was going to be good, and then it was so terrible. Oh, don't tell me that. I still have that on my queue to watch. Yeah, me too. It's not good. Oh, get rid of it and burn it, burn it. Don't go near that shit ball. And she's as bad in that as she is in this she's like give it I don't know how you are on the runway but you cannot
3: act and get your ass off the screen terrible I agree I thought she had no chemistry with Michael B. Jordan terrible no relationship to human emotion. I couldn't even tell sometimes if she was on his side or not. Like, at times she's really helping him and says, I'm gonna go to jail for this. At other times, she's actively working against him. I couldn't follow her motivations and that's something a better actress could have given me through performance.
1: Yeah, think of the way James Earl Jones helped Harrison Ford or Alec Baldwin or whoever was Jack Ryan that week. Like, you need that to be a collaboration because a lot of Clancy's world is like nuts and bolts stuff. It's nerdy stuff. You know, the insurance forms and shit. So that you really...
0: I mean, we have a whole speech at the end of this film about how The economists won the war. That does feel very Clancy.
1: It does. And you, you want to be able, wherever you can, to foster camaraderie, friendship, human emotion. And if this is supposed to be that relationship, what an epic fail. Like, just a terrible collaborator. But she is the one that finds out... She's invited by Clay, Guy Pierce into some meetings and has found out that it was Russians that attacked John Kelly in his home. And one of the ones that got away was given a visa by this consulate guy. And so she's going to break the law and sneak that
3: out. And the Secretary of Defense is ready to call it a day, right? I mean, we've got Ritter there saying they killed some of ours, we killed some of theirs. And the Secretary of Defense is like, my hands are tied. We're, it's even, you know, eye for an eye. CIA ends up weighing in and saying we don't want a war. And there's this woman
1: named Sarah Diller that gets one shot in this, but we're it's suspected that she
3: may or may not be the traitor. I never thought about her twice. I was like, oh, this is going to be an interesting character. Gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and maybe on the cutting room floor she is,
1: but or maybe she was added in the last minute when they changed all the plot. I cannot tell. Now, I can tell you this. They started shooting in October 2019, and COVID hit, and then they finished shooting in October 2020. So, a whole year took place, and by that point, Amazon owned it and not Paramount. So, again, who could guess? what had been surgically rearranged and removed and adjusted to try and make it into the lead into Rainbow Six. But yes, nobody is going to help John get out of that bed and find the man that killed his
3: wife. He's going to have to start with the Russian consulate. Which Greer gives him. Greer gives him that name. Right. And somebody leaked to the press. Is it Greer, the other three Russians that died? Or was it the Secretary of Defense himself? No, I thought it was John. I thought John was like, I'm going to blow this thing up. I'm going to take it to the media. But the Secretary of Defense wants the war, and so he'd want the press to know. I'm going (laughs) to slap your hand. If you go near that plot one more time, I'm going to slap it. (laughs) Let it go. It'll burn you.
0: You not hear me. Would I have a hard time letting go? Because I did read that novel, even though it was a few decades ago. But we get this whole scene where Kelly is going to go after this Russian consulate. I'm like, all that cool, like, undercover stuff going after gangs feels condensed to, like, this whole scene. Like, he's going to piss on his clothes and cover himself in alcohol to pretend to be a homeless guy. Like, that was a big part. And then, like, my favorite part from that novel, though, is there's this whole torture scene using this pressure tank to help you train for deep sea scuba diving. I'm like, I'm waiting for that scene. I think they replaced it with a car getting covered in, in gasoline.
1: Which is a cool scene. I want to say... It's a cool
0: scene, but it's nothing like that torture scene I read about.
1: On the positive end of things... Michael B. Jordan angry and wanting revenge is a cool thing to behold. You are completely in his thrall as he's plotting what he's plotting and watching him every step. But nothing that he's doing really makes sense. I don't know why he had to pretend to be drunk to see the consulate get in a car. Because that's how the character is in the book, I think. Like, why does he have a cache of guns hidden in his hot water heater? Yeah. And then, like, he's going to, like, follow him to the airport, but then get him stopped by the cops so that he can... no. No, no, no. Got the security detail.
0: Yeah, that's to separate him from the rest of his security. I thought he was going to
3: get him towed. He's driving a tow truck, but he never tows him. He crashes into the car at an airport. Now, I've parked illegally at an airport. 60 seconds, people were ready to draw their gun. Oh, they they will get you very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This guy crashes into a car, spends, what, 30, 45 seconds pouring gasoline all over the place lights the car on fire, not a police person or airport security in sight, but you're right, Stuart, total bad because I'm like, if you're killing him, how are you going to get that fourth name? And then he gets in the burning car. Yeah, that's, that, again, it's a
1: winning moment. It makes no sense, <laughs> but it is absolutely amazing that this actor set the car on fire and then said, I'm going to even use, like, the door handle and just, like, st- just step in and sit in it. And that should be enough to make anyone give up a name. Like I would give up all names, any name that I knew, I would tell this man.
0: And I think, again, going back to how are they going to portray the violence and the action in this? They are going for that more real world stuff. If if this was Arnold dousing a car, it's going to blow up. But, yeah, gasoline just burns it's not explosive now there's stuff in that engine that maybe something might happen, but it relatively safe as long as you can get in and out from the the heat and the flames,
1: yeah, you see the like wind like windshields cracking, and like things are bad things are happening. I feel like there would be very little oxygen in a few minutes inside the yeah. car, but for lots of reasons, you wouldn't want to be in there, but you're right it doesn't feel like. The kind of action movie where every time you ram a car or pour lighter fluid over it, it explodes in the biggest fireball possible.
3: They're trying to create some kind of grounded realism. But he does get the name, although before he gets the actual name, he gets his own name. Wherever you go, death will follow. Does that happen? I guess, kinda? Yeah, more people are gonna die. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't invite him to a birthday party.
0: That's for sure. (laughs) It feels like it should be more ominously where, yeah, it's family members, it's Greer, his friend, like... Yeah, people die around him, but he's a military guy and he's going to go to prison and, like, fight people. Of course, people are going to die around him.
1: This is also kind of badass. He's willing to accept responsibility. Like, most people would, like, go on the lam and, and run from the cops. He gets out of the flaming car, walks straight over to the cops. They arrest him. He accepts that, goes to jail, doesn't even get out on bail, is prepared to serve however long he's going to get for doing this at the Dulles
3: Airport triple murder you may not be given bail
1: yeah is he has he been convicted yet i, I couldn't tell
0: like yeah. if he's still waiting because later on they're going to say you're going back to jail so it feels like he's already got a prison sentence
1: yeah he's declared a felon so i assume yeah. that again with time passing the only time marker i have in this movie is when we get to the tombstones at the end like that's the only thing that tells me and everything happens within seven months so depending on how you feel about the legal system
0: that's a very quick yeah yeah being able to get through the system that quickly is is very fast. But
3: he is put in a prison with a bunch of Russian mobsters. So somebody's pulling strings. Right. He's
1: being set up to die. The same people that came at him at his house are probably behind the idea that, you know, in prison, it's, I mean, we have a hundred of these movies. You're going to get shanked. You're going to get killed when you're least expecting it. Some will come for you and get whacked.
0: But that said, yes, I've seen this happen a lot in films. This film, it it creates a a tenseness. I, I am in suspense as you hear those crowds, whoever coming towards that door of the cell that Kelly is in. You know, he's wrapping his sheet around his fist. I guess to make like a punching glove and he's flooding the cell. So it's slippery covering himself in water. I don't know. I am really into this buildup.
1: How does that like the sink? I don't get how like having a wet floor is going to help anybody.
0: It makes it harder to move. It makes it slippery
3: for him. For anyone, yeah, it's it doesn't help him any more than it hurts the others. I think he's pr- he probably has more training than these <laughs> prison
0: guards.
1: Like it's part of SEAL training that you do the ice capades or something. You know, they're Navy SEALs. The Navy works in water. <laughs> Have you seen what SEALs have to go through? That is the elite. You might be right. That might have been part of the thinking. It looks badass. Again, all I'm really trying to say here is my mind is telling me almost every scene is ridiculous, but Michael B. Jordan is pulling this shit off. He looks really cool. Yeah, I'm right
0: there with you. I'm like, I don't understand why most things are happening, Mm
1: -mm. but when we get an action scene, they're really good. The way that he baits those SWAT people coming into a cell and all of that, getting the baton. I'm like... I don't know how you're going to get out of this and get that Russian, but you go. Like, this is (laughs) awesome.
3: Uh, Yeah, I mean, Michael B. Jordan is very physical. He takes off the shirt for this fight. I'm not sure how that helps him either. I thought he was going to use it like a wet towel and snap it at people or something. (laughs) Slapping some (laughs) asses. But he looks ripped. He looks ready for Creed 3 with those muscles.
0: Yeah, he's jacked.
3: And earlier we got to see him kill Russian troops who have guns. He just yanks a knife out and stabs two of them. He's a total badass and when people are coming at him with shields and batons and he is ripping their batons and gets one as a human shield and says I'm gonna start breaking necks I'm like this guy's badass and then we see like 50 people outside the door I'm like he's not that badass Well, again, it's reminding me of like
1: cool scene, like prison movie kind of stuff, the raid or something like that. Like, how is one guy against 50 like armed SWAT guys? How is this going to look? It kind of just gets nixed. Unfortunately, maybe because they don't know how to write him out of this situation or maybe because what was going to happen in this prison doesn't happen in this cut. All of a sudden, a phone is handed to him and he's in a meeting with Guy Pierce and Greer
3: and the CIA lady. People are going to write stories about how much you fucked up. Yeah, the shit he messed up.
1: They might do some podcasts. (laughs) I (laughs) I think that's why I'm here.
0: But who knows he messed up so much stuff? I guess if you're getting calls from the the Secretary of State or the head of the CIA, then you're pretty sure that person messed up.
1: They want to pick his brain about what he learned from the consulate. They're like, you know what? We don't endorse that. But like, what did he tell you? And the only thing he told him was Victor Rykov who they already know, and are like they're
3: like, well, you won't be able to pick him out of a lineup, and then they show him the lineup. Because they say he's dead. Victor Rykov has already died he was a Russian nationalist trying to tear down America and he's dead already and so you can't pick him out of a lineup because whoever you saw wasn't him and he's like no that's the dude and they're like oh shit he-. but at the same time they said that he was one of theirs that they had turned him
1: that he was a terrorist that was now a CIA operative this is so confusing yeah but that's why we just don't do it don't go near it <laughs> I'm telling you yeah, can we just go to the next scene yeah we're done with this <laughs> (laughs) Scene because this scene is about a bunch of people sitting around. You know, it's a Tom Clancy scene. It's it's where the the bean counters and accountants and nerds that make decisions about war are debating about what to do. And for some reason, they know Rykov is in Murmansk, Russia. I don't know how they know that, but that's where he's at.
3: So let's go there. And all right, all right, I gotta go here. So obviously. They made us think at the beginning, Ritter is not a good guy. In all these meetings, Ritter is there, and Ritter is working against our hero, John Kelly. So the SEALs are loading up on a plane. It's a commercial airline because they have to fly in and nobody knows. But Ritter is taking his own plane. Yeah. Yeah, because we're supposed to suspect him. That's the
0: only reason.
3: Right, exactly. He's so dirty. He's like, I can't go on this plane. And then that plane that they're on, the commercial aircraft, gets shot down. Who arranged this? Was this the Russians actually just knowing that plane shouldn't be here? No, this is Guy Pierce Clay setting all this up, I think. Yes. If they'd all (laughs) died, I guess that would have been enough because, hey, you've got Americans. They would have found the bodies
0: in the ocean and seen they were military.
3: Again, I think that this scene had an entirely
1: different purpose that has been reshaped. We were making a plate, and now it's a cup, and we just like in a few like twist of the clay and throw it in the oven, and suddenly something that was made to look like something else is now trying to pass itself off as this, and I don't know why, Arnie. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I will say it's an awesome plane crash. I do like this scene, but this is where I wondered how
0: much of this film was done when Paramount kicked it off to Amazon because I feel like a lot of this scene if this was the big blockbuster you're trying to get me to go into theaters during the summer and buy the big popcorn and watch this thing like feels like this crash would have been more dramatic I would have had more exterior shots of, of seeing the plane crack in half and sink it feels like it's all in a sound stage it's all all in a tank for Jordan to swim around in and, and do the stuff and it's exciting it just feels smaller scale to me
1: but I think that's Salima's approach I think that his idea of action is always make it minimal list we don't want it to seem too bloated like a summer blockbuster
0: and i do like that most of the scene is just about finding air pockets so Mm -hmm. kelly could justify being underwater so long like for some reason that just makes me happy you're taking all those action cliches i grew up on in the 80s and going okay here's the here's the real version of that guys you got to find air pockets you got to breathe you can't hold your breath for five minutes
3: everybody's like we have to save our own lives we are in an airplane filling with water i mean there's a couple ways out but you can't go up But Jaws like, we need our gear. We need our gear. Yeah, they need to get Zodiac. What is that? Like, I I kept waiting for this big piece of gear
0: that he's so like concerned with saving and that they're going to call out its name. But I don't know. Was that just the boat
3: they ride into town on? Yeah, that's just a mistake with them not explaining better. The Zodiac is the inflatable boat they're going to use. But the way he makes it sound, it sounds like they've got some kind of amazing tech that they're going to have. And no, it's just a boat self-inflating. And then this is the moment in the movie where I gave up, and I turned on subtitles. Could you guys understand what was being said in this movie? I watched this just on a television with a soundbar. Maybe it didn't have a stereo mix, but I could not understand half the dialogue. It sounded like they had marbles in their mouth, so I turned on subtitles so I could double-check Anytime I'm like, did they say Zodiac? Did he say get the gear? It was really hard to hear. I usually have subtitles playing just in case I, I miss something.
0: I can go back and see what it was. I'm not watching them the whole time, but I didn't glance down that many times at the subtitles. I did not have that problem with the sound mix.
1: I watch everything with subtitles, so it's just second nature to me. But I, I will agree that it's difficult to know in this moment What is going on other than, hey, they're on a set that's turning 360 degrees and it's filled with water and this plane is breaking in half and the slick, cool visuals. This is my kind of action scene. I guess I would just put it that way. There's something about its understated quality that feels hipper than the CGI John Wick stuff. Totally disagree, but okay. Yeah, well, again, it's just a different aesthetic. And, you know, you can like both. Yeah, no, I'm, I enjoy John Wick, and i enjoying this at the moment. Yeah, but I appreciate that. The, again, if I could take this story seriously, it would help ground it and make it seem like something that was much more honest and much more true to life than a James Bond movie.
0: I wish this had made as much sense as a James Bond movie. Or, or maybe at least Jason Bourne, which still feels a little sci-fi, but feels more grounded than this, as far as getting into the plot.
1: Yeah, moon, Moonraker is more coherent than that. I agree. <laughs> and so, yeah, they get the inflatable speedboat with Zodiac. They get it from the plane wreckage, and they go into Murmansk. And they finally concluded what we've been saying the whole movie. That Ritter guy is your traitor. He is obviously behind all of this, and he wanted you dead.
0: Yeah, they find Ritter, like, counting a bunch of money. I think he's got some Russians with him. Like, what is he up to at this point?
3: These Russians are hysterical because Kelly is going to choke Ritter almost to death. There's a gun at Ritter's head. He fires right back. At Ritter's ear, I'm sure Ritter is now deaf in one ear, and Ritter's like, ask them, and they're like, yeah, he a- he offered us money to go infiltrate these Russians, but hell no, we don't want to do that, we're not taking this money. They're, were they hanging out having pizza then? I mean, right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, what was it all about? They were just here for the afternoon tea, I don't know yeah but again, do we believe it? I mean, I think that Ritter is still there's not many suspects,
0: no, I still suspect Ritter,
1: yeah, yeah, there's not many suspects to to look at. It's either him or Greer, you know Greer made the the vote of no confidence that she didn't want. John to come along on this mission does that mean she has some hidden agenda maybe you could make that conclusion as well but there's not a lot of people to accuse here so Ritter is again he's just so rat faced and unlikable that like we just find ourselves projecting our disdain on him and it's worth pointing out the camera lingers on many shots we see his wedding band and I think that's a trigger for John too of like you have this married life you have what I was supposed to you can go home to your wife and kids and you don't have to wear military gear. You're always like dressed like you're in J. Crew or something like you get to be normal and I'm not, and I'm mad at you about that.
3: There is a version of this movie that would be hysterical. That's like death wish where you keep killing the wrong person. Like, he takes Jamie Bell to the point of, I think, aren't some kids playing a choking game and certain kids accidentally die where they choke each other and it gets them a few minutes high? And I just would laugh if he, like, killed Ritter there and is like, no, Ritter was innocent. All right, let me go kill the next guy. Because that's pretty (laughs) much Kelly's attitude in this movie is, I think you did it. You're going to say my wife's name before you die. Yeah, that feels like a weird insertion,
0: say her name, going back to Brianna Taylor in real life, who was killed when cops barged into her home with a no-knock warrant, and it was I guess the wrong home or whatever. Like it is that, that is say her name. That is where that came from. Yet. Like if you're saying, because ultimately the American government was behind the murder of her, I don't know what ties they're trying to to bring to that.
1: I think it's a, a rocky path to try and draw anything from contemporary politics to what this is. I feel in many, many scenes, let's cut bait and let's really, obfuscate whoever is doing this and not lay blame on anybody in the end it's just going to be some white guy i don't know who's to blame at the end i don't know who the king is some white guy decided we needed a war and did stuff behind the scenes i mean like okay well that's a safe way of going that's a non-controversial way of taking no stand on our political time
0: (laughs) yeah and just more confusion. Rykov, he's speaking with an American accent. I
1: think he he says he is CIA. Well, he grew up in America, but like he was tied to Russia. I, again, we heard so many mixed messages.
0: But it sounds like he's being forced to do this by the CIA because it's part of this plot. I don't understand the scene at all.
3: He's committing suicide.
0: He's supposed to kill the rest of the American SEALs. So there's American soldiers found on Russian soil. That's his ultimate
1: purpose. Maybe Can I just point out that even if that were to work, if we were to be scandalized that there are SEALs in Russia and that will start this war that they want, like blowing them to bits... Probably makes it harder to identify like I feel like you would want to
3: like poison them right Like, you don't want to like blow them up I don't know how loyal you have to be to the CIA where they're like here's your mission here's the suicide vest go yeah it's garbage and again this isn't what it was I can tell you I mean this is on
1: its face you can just tell this was not the intent of the scene like half of his dialogue is happening off screen he's in another room It's voiceover yeah like this is not what the plot was. It wasn't. It just wasn't. That said, like, these snipers end up, like,
0: shooting in on this team after the explosion. And I'm into this whole sniper setup where they're dodging bullets and then the cops are showing up. Like, it it leads into another fun little action scene.
1: Some of it works. Greer has to go hand-to-hand with some guy in some awful fight choreography. Again, anytime she's on screen, I feel like it's just awful. But they want to try and make her into some kind of Grace Jones super killer. uh,
3: Yeah,
0: I definitely thought they were going for Grace Jones with her. Mm -hmm.
3: I love snipers, so when there's the sniper fire and... Kelly has to try to stop the sniper and they're just spraying bullets at windows. And I'm like, you're never going to hit a sniper that way. <laughs> Seymour gets whacked. Like
1: we've, we've had this moment where they all had to like say their real names. They were like, Hatchet and Dallas.
0: Yeah, but then they go back to their code names when the bullets start flying. I'm calling him Seymour. I don't care. Well, the, yo, that was my problem. They're like, Dallas is down. I'm like, which one was he? Was he Seymour? Was he John? Yeah, which one? <laughs> I wrote down all their real names.
1: Oh, it's Seymour. Seymour is definitely the loser here. He has the least loser name and he can't make it out of the building and they got to drag his corpse around. So then they come up with this contrived idea that John Kelly has to sacrifice himself on the roof so that they can slip away. They get into a bright red truck in front of all of the police, and drive away. And hit some police cars, don't they? Or at least drive through the police (laughs) cars. I'm like, you could have just gotten in the van with them. I don't think anyone would have stopped you. In fact, I only see five police cars here. Part of the problem with this scene is, I agree, it's lit cool. and There's some cool moments with the camera tricks and all, but there's just not enough people on screen for it to feel like they're outmanned.
3: What I think we needed was some better coverage of them on the ground because what John does is go to the roof and throw some grenades in certain directions and all the cops start running... Towards the grenades, because they want to shoot the guy throwing the grenades, and that is creating the diversion the others need to steal the big red truck. But we're not shown that, I'm just assuming. Yeah. So I give this, I give this climactic battle, and believe it or not, we're at the end of the
1: movie, like half points. Some of it would be cool, but because nothing really makes sense, and because there are these clearing errors, it does feel like ultimately, I can't believe... That the movie has fallen apart in this way.
3: It feels like they forgot to film the third act. Because Mm -hmm. this feels, A, not like a huge climax. It is not a huge fight, nor a huge emotional moment. Mm -mm. It does not feel like the climax of the film. That this is the end really felt like a car crash to me. I'm like, wait, that was the end? And also... It just doesn't have the emotions that we feel like we're getting to the end. I was again thinking of Clear and Present Danger, which in hindsight is probably my favorite Clancy movie. Easily. All the political intrigue and the factions working against him. And I'm like, he's going to go back and he's so screwed because everybody's working against him. He's not going to be able to do anything, even if Jamie Bell gives him a buttload of money and a fake passport this guy is screwed this is when we find out ritter is a good guy all of a sudden like i suspected him this whole time but no he's gonna help kelly
0: out by yeah helping him ghost himself
3: all the money he had for those russians who said no we're gonna skip your american dollars now here kelly you take the money even in the the moment like it took me a while to realize he was there i'm like he's
1: one of the snipers he's shooting at them from their old apartment that's what i thought (laughs) yeah to the very bitter end until the very moment they reach the dock and suddenly Ritter (laughs) is helping him get on the boat and giving him money i'm like oh they're really going to like make this all about like this is his future ally
3: and Ritter does nothing else Well, I guess in a flashback, we're going to see he does one other thing. But pretty much, like you said, this is the end. I thought Kelly would use that money. We'd get to see Kelly hiding out and going undercover and doing more of the pouring liquor on himself to be a homeless guy or something. No, the very next scene, he has gotten to the Secretary of Defense, which I have to imagine you can't just walk up to the Secretary of Defense. Caught him in the men's room. Yeah. (laughs) And starts threatening him.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, he is like at a Bennigan's or something like that. He does not, he's not like doing a good job of protecting himself. (laughs) He's like in a DC bar hanging out by himself, finding out that, you know, the news is running reports about like the U.S.-Russian relations are leaking and it's, it's an emergency and all of that. He knows it's all going, I think, away from what he wanted. He wanted to create a war and now the UN is intervening and there won't be a war and then yeah this guy like pops up and tries to trick him for a little bit and saying I think the CIA director is the bad guy but we know
0: yeah th- th- no the most l- laughable moment for me is when we get the cliche we get Guy Pierce's character Clay he's in the bathroom Kelly approaches him and like they just do that old trick like you mentioned information that wasn't in the report therefore you're the guilty <laughs> one like
1: really that's what we're doing here yeah here's a moment I did like though because alright yes all of this all of this this felt so cliche but then he handcuffs him drags him to his car is driving where are we going we're going to your west virginia farm where your family lives and i'm going to execute them all and i think oh my god if this movie were brave enough to do that man that would be something because that would be poetic justice you robbed me of my family so now you're going to watch your family be executed could we have
3: stood for michael b jordan to have done that no, if he's going to murder a child, no. Here's the thing. If this isn't going to be a franchise, if this is I Spit on Your Grave, sure. Mm-hmm. If this is supposed to be the start of Rainbow Six, no.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. but And I wonder if an earlier script at least tried to go there because, I mean, just the thought of it, it brings the whole idea home about what John has really been angry about. It isn't the politics. He doesn't give a shit about Russia. He's been mad that he didn't get to have the normal American life, and this man who prevented it has the normal American life. I'm going to whack his family. But then he just decides,
3: nah, I'm going to drive into the Potomac. (laughs) But that was the plan all along. Yes. Because we're going to find out Ritter was waiting in the Potomac, and I don't know where he was waiting that he was sure 100% that the car wasn't going to land on him. Yeah, (laughs) I— Is it Ritter? I wasn't sure who this scuba diver was. I thought
0: it was just one of his seals from his team that he got to help him out.
1: I thought it could even be Greer. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm not sure who did it, but here's where we get our rainbow. Like you guys were asking, where did he get the name? Wait,
0: wait. are you talking about the rainbow when he's like drowning and he has a dream of his wife? Yes. You kind of
1: get that sun glare? Yes. You kind of get that lens flare? Yes. It is like the prism that you get when lights flashes on wet glass that's the rainbow that is he thinks he is going to see his wife you can see in this moment this car goes all the way to the bottom you're claiming that it was arranged that he would escape but the way it plays to me is john kelly is perfectly prepared to drown he's not trying to get out he's going to sit there next to clay and watch that man drown he can hold his breath longer but he's not trying to get out of there And like, I just want you to die and then I can die and I can go be with my wife.
0: I thought maybe that's what they were going to go for until we get that flashback. He was just waiting for whoever to show up (laughs) with that scuba tank.
1: Well, as they approach, the lights hits. I think the way it originally played is he didn't know that they were going to rescue him. And so he thinks he's going to heaven seeing this heavenly light. It, you know, streaks and becomes a rainbow prism. And he has, you know, he's back at the leaves in the campfire with his wife for a second. And then, nope, these people pull him out. And he was audio recording Clay's confession, you know.
3: I want that audio recorder, please. I would like the audio recorder that could be submerged into water. Yeah, how's it waterproof? And play still and not lose that data? Because when I go to cons, I take portable recorders. But those things I treat like freaking glass. Uh, But yeah, but are you planning to drive into the Pacific Ocean? I mean, I never know where things
1: are going when I'm at a con. (laughs) It's true. I guess it could happen. At any rate, we had Clay speechify, as we've talked about already, about economists of World War II and the politics, as it were, was he thought that by creating a new Soviet Union, he would save America. And so all of that is audio taped, it's brought to the President of the United States by Ritter and they're gonna i guess let john become a secret agent he will go from john kelly to john clark this is how he did that
3: Uh, okay it's strange but all right i'm fine with that go off live a life as a new name stay undercover because you're still wanted for murder which is probably on a million airport security cameras. That Russian mob still definitely wants them for killing one of theirs. But then there's a mid-credit scene. I'm like, I'm fast-forwarding through the credits. Like, there's no way there's a. Oh shit, there is. Yeah, no. I just happened to
0: leave the movie running while I was like typing up final thoughts, and I'm like, oh, here's a credit scene. I'm, I'm glad I, I let this keep playing because I was ready to turn it off. I just had to write down a few more thoughts while they
1: played, though. Hey, gentlemen, remember to keep standing six feet apart, like this. This is totally a pickup <laughs> shot, right? I mean, <laughs> you can tell they're not anywhere near there. It all looks like blue screen. They're blue screening the fucking Washington Monument. Like, they can't even get to the Washington Monument. Ritter is now
0: running the CIA. Did he use that recording somehow to get Dillard thrown out?
1: Yeah, they say she was no good. She didn't say one thing. And so we throw her out. I'm promoted. I brought good intel. And so now I can make the decisions... And yeah, this ghost guy comes back at me and says, hey, I've always wanted to have a US-UK-NATO alliance called Rainbow Six.
0: Yeah, he's asking for a lot. It's not like, hey, can I just not pay taxes anymore? It's like, (laughs) I want a multinational counter-terrorist team that I'm going to lead, even though I'm supposedly dead and I almost started a war with Russia. Like, give me this huge bureaucracy to run.
3: More than that, though, because that's not something Ritter can do. He goes to Ritter and says, I want to meet the president. Okay. <laughs> I don't think that happens. Yeah. Why's the president going
1: to know who you are? <laughs> I think it could be this first scene of a, of the next movie though, Arnie. I definitely feel like Amazon said, this is how we want to end things. Not on the sentiment that uh, America is divided and needs a new enemy to focus on, but wouldn't it be great to have a whole Avenger style team and Michael B. Jordan is just one of many. And maybe John Krasinski can be on it too. The thought. <laughs> <laughs> is we're going to have several other Clancy characters we will make solo films and then bring them all together.
0: Yeah, not, not just who's going to be on the Rainbow Six team, but has this been confirmed? Because I think that's a video game series, but I'm here doing the clancy stuff but justin's the
3: video game guy like it, it's gonna get weird he could take my spot but there's a book mm. there is a book about rainbow six that clancy wrote after the video games Nah, he
1: didn't really write it it was like ghost written and yes it, it was a video game it was created at the same time it was synchronicity so yes i think what you're really saying is we definitely got
3: to bring in justin on this one i don't know jacob stewart how much remorse do you have about this movie Jacob? It, surprisingly, I don't have a lot of
0: remorse for watching this. Like, look, is it bad and stupid and cliche? Yes, but it's also an action film. And as an action film, I got into these these moments, uh, swimming around a plane, looking for air pockets to breathe in. I'm like, oh, I kind of like the realism that they're going for here. And some of the fight choreography, the the shootouts. Like, to me, this felt like a mid-budget 90s action film, not like a big blockbuster Tom Clancy thing that I would expect it to be. And, and so I guess that is where the disconnect that, Yeah, this is a really dumb plot. I still don't know if Guy Pierce was the king, if there's another king, like who wants this war? We've had tensions with Russia over the last years and it has not unified us as a people. So like this plot is totally dumb. But this movie moved, you know, almost two hours, but it moved pretty fast for me because, yeah, I was into the action scenes and they work there. So dumb movie, fun action. I guess that's a weak recommend from me. Like if you like action films and don't want to get muddy down with modern day politics like here is a film for you to watch it is a week week recommend
1: Stuart if this movie had a mouth I would stick a light bulb down its throat and watch it die. (laughs) That's its saving grace. There is no light bulb moment in this one or else (laughs) it would
0: be as dumb as that Chris Pine one. I
1: mean, I think it's kind of stupid like that. I mean, like it's unsatisfying and stupid, everything that you've accused it of. And yet I'm also feeling the same sort of benevolence towards its stupidity. I can't work up legitimate anger, in part because I think I respect the people that are involved, and I think that they were done bad in the post-production editing phase. Whatever they were working on, set out to do, I have remorse that they didn't get to deliver it, that, that we didn't get to see it only in little moments like the Aleppo opening or the plane crash. Can you see their talent? The real question is, what can be salvaged from this wreckage? I think it could. I think we could still have a good series out of this. I personally don't like Dr. Note, for example. I think that's kind of a shitty movie too... But I'm a James Bond fan. And, you know, Sean Connery is one of the best iterations of that. So I do believe Michael B. Jordan shows his star power in this movie. And people might remember it fondly if he goes on to make a really good movie. I wouldn't count that out. John Clark could be the next James Bond. But he does need to get rid of the dead weight. No more Jodie Turner-Smith. No more Greer. Like, she's awful. Jamie Bell. You know, he spends so much time trying to misdirect us by being like sniveling that he never bothers to be charming. We don't want to see him work with John Clark. So I feel like this movie gives us nothing but Michael B. Jordan. He is the one and only saving grace of this cast. But I think that, yeah, Rainbow Six could work despite this failure. And I would call this probably... Yeah, the worst Clancy movie, but maybe the right direction for the franchise. This is not worse than that Chris Pine one. Come on. Mm, I actually think it is. And for the record, I thought Patriot Games was worse than that. So Red Arrow,
3: that's what I got
1: to know. Oh, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. But I I mean, I feel like that's evident. This
3: is a really terrible film. (laughs) Uh, Jacob, you and I had similar thoughts when I was finishing this one. I didn't go back to the 90s. Where I went was today's direct-to-video cinema, direct-to-streaming cinema. If Bruce Willis was the Secretary of State, who, you know, only had to show up for three days of filming, and Thomas Jane was playing Kelly, this is actually beating my expectations. I mean, it's, it's a better film than that recasting you just imagined. I mean, they're making films together. I think they've made two films together, Jane and Willis, and they're both non-stop making shit movies. But if those guys were starring in it and I went in with those expectations, this might actually be a recommend and you have me rethinking everything because I'm like, yeah, as a really fucking stupid action movie. It's fine. It's got some moments, right? I mean, yeah. And again, Michael B. Jordan is good with his physicality. Whenever he does hand-to-hand stuff...
0: Yeah, you're saying it's fine with Thomas Jane. I feel like Michael Jordan is what makes this fine.
3: Yeah, exactly. If it was with Thomas Jane and going through the motions. But I went in looking for a Clancy movie and... Yeah, I have to say this is also worse than Shadow Recruit, Mm -hmm. as far as being a Clancy film goes, because they're trying to set up intrigue, they're trying to set up double crosses and suspense, and then they just completely whiff the ending by jumping there too fast. And now that I know they stopped filming for COVID, I'm wondering if they looked at what they had and are like, let's just not film this extra half Mm -hmm. hour,
1: let's just skip it. Again, Oscar-winning screenwriters were developing this story. This is
3: not their work. It couldn't possibly be. But yeah, given what I watched, it's a weaker not recommend because if you want just some not great action, but some action and Michael B. Jordan, I, I love that guy as an actor. What can I say? Everything he's in, I'm likely to at least partially like because of his performance he never seems to phone it in even though this is one where i think he could have so it's a weak not recommend as a movie it's a strong not recommend as a clancy movie
0: yeah, I agree with you there. If you love those technical thrillers of Clancy, this this is going to let you down. Though I don't think it's going to let you down more than that light bulb and Shadow Recruit. I'll never get over that.
1: <laughs> it's been three and three. I've liked three of these movies. Hunt for Red October is still my favorite. But yeah, Clear and Present Danger was also satisfying. And I gave a pass to Some of All Fears. But it's tough. You know, because Clancy is so rooted in Cold War politics, because his novels are all 800, 900 pages long and filled with too many characters and subplots, it's easy to get led astray. And I do feel like maybe the best is that series, that Amazon series with Krasinski is the most satisfying watch because it just takes little elements.
0: I'll agree with you that I was surprised that this was not up to that standard of, of that series that they did, which I guess they had full control of that. Maybe they had to do a lot of fixing with this one. But that was the big revelation for me is like, wow, this isn't even as good as their Jack Ryan series.
3: It's only slightly worse than season two of that series. Yeah,
0: season two, I didn't. I'm, I'm going with season one, which was a pretty good season. I didn't like season
1: I like both seasons. And I would say that I think that's part of the problem is that they said, well, how do we make it season three? And the answer is you didn't have that in your hand. You were handed a plate. And they said, let's make it a cup and nobody wants to drink out of a plate. You know, like it just doesn't make sense.
3: <laughs> yeah. I, I can now see why they didn't even think about, Hey, let's put this in theaters first, even though mm-hmm. Amazon has that distribution model. I think they looked at what they had and they looked at all the films that are backlogged. We, We have a constipated film slate coming up that this would not rank when we finally get to Fast and Furious 9, Black Widow, Shang-Chi would probably kick this movie's ass.
1: Yeah, it doesn't have a, the same commercial value, and that's one reason to dump it. We'll never know if it had the artistic quality. Like, I, I do think that it would have been interesting to know the original plot, read the original script, see what was actually filmed, and if it could have been a cool standalone adult R-rated thriller instead of the next episode of a more commercial-minded TV show.
3: But if you are in the mood for political-type intrigue, next week on Tuesday, we're going to be reviewing the Marvel miniseries, TV series from Disney+, Plus, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And you bring up the Winter Soldier, it makes me think of that second Captain America film that was a political thriller with a lot of suspense and intrigue, had a lot of qualities I think without remorse would have benefited from. Can Disney Plus give us a better Clancy than Amazon Prime? We will find that out next Tuesday. So we hope you'll join us for it at nowplayingpodcast.com. We put out a totally free show every single Tuesday. In the meantime, uh, if you're a patron, this may... Uh, we're going to talk about
1: Brad Pitt getting assassinated in a very long title, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. Special request, because Arnie loves Westerns.
3: <laughs> Especially really slow ones. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, I can't wait. I've never seen it. I never thought I wanted to. But, hey, you know, I'm... Not dreading it, if people say it's as good as they say it is. It's good. I've seen it. somebody wanted to pledge for us to review it, then what am I missing? I look forward to it. I know nothing about this until I push play. Okay. I didn't even know Brad Pitt was in it until you just said it. <laughs> he was
1: on all the posters. That was the selling point. Yeah, Brad Pitt this week in the assassination of Jesse James, and then Brad Pitt next Friday when we kick off Gold Level and the David
3: Fincher series, starting with seven. So thank you to all of those who support our show. You can find the details at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate on how you can support our show and get. A second bonus podcast every week, almost for all the year, via the patron shows and the donation shows. And thank you to all who keep us going so that we can bring these shows out every single Tuesday. A lot of new releases, Mortal Kombat, Falcon Winter Soldier, Without Remorse. And a lot more to come this year, it looks like. Yeah, this summer's choc And Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me, and until next time, I'm sorry, I don't dance. Stop
2: the launch sequence.
0: Massacre here. Flash override. Stop the sequence. Stop the sequence. Order
2: the planes to stand down. Take us to DEFCON 3. Would somebody ask Mr. Ryan if I can use the phone now? Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing Podcast.
1: Any way you can get that Boy Scout on a field trip look off your face?
3: Not a chance. That's what I like about you.
2: We hope you've enjoyed the show. A great day, comrades. We sail into history. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast.
3: So... I feel like a movie this weekend?
2: Also at our site, you can find hundreds of other movie reviews, including Star Wars, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Independence Day, The Avengers Films, Back to the Future, Batman, Superman, The Fast and the Furious, and
0: more. He's listening to it on his headsets, and he's just happy as a clam. And in all hell...
2: Now Playing Podcast is a show without any sponsors or ads. We rely on support from listeners like you to keep Now Playing operating. Rest, that's a clever name for it. You can donate to the show and, as our thank you, receive bonus podcasts. Over 150 bonus movie reviews are available to choose from on the Now Playing Podbean page, including Alien, Night of the Living Dead, Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, Psycho, Troll, and more. Find a full list of available bonus shows at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. When the world trembled at the sound of our rockets... Will tremble again at the sound of our silence. You can also join the now playing patron campaign through our Podbean site. Patrons of $10 or more get a new exclusive movie review every month, plus even more perks, including one where you can pick a movie for our hosts to review. Find the details on our website. I want the money in my account before I move an inch. You can help us out by leaving us a five-star review on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, or your other podcast store of choice. You're either with us or you're against us, Jimmy boy. Make up your mind. Oh, I'm with you. That's all I wanted to hear. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage.
1: Oh, did they hit anybody's Instagram, Facebook, hopscotch, Reddit, none, anything? None,
2: none. Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. When's the last time you slept? Wow. Associate produced by Jason Latham. If you disregard my counsel, if you keep running your business the way you have been, with your balls instead of your head, two things will happen. I'll quit, and you'll get killed. Now Playing is edited by Steven, Heath, and Arnie.
0: Like Beethoven on the computer, you have labored
1: to produce.
2: Now Playing credits read by Brock.
1: And a voice cried out from heaven, saying, it is done.
2: The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated.
0: I said, speak your mind, Jack, the Jesus.
2: Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with the motion pictures reviewed or otherwise referred to herein. I don't imagine the boys on the hill have proved this. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. But the day that I sell out my countrymen will be the day that I put a bullet through my own head. Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of Inganza Media Incorporated. Now Playing is a Inganza Media production, copyright 2021, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Inganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved.
0: Welcome to the new world, sir. And
1: Stuart. No, are we going to have to wait five minutes? Uh, for let Diego? me let me take myself off mute. <laughs> I thought you were reflecting the slow pace of this movie. Gamora is about the
3: Italian mafia in Sicily. You got me really excited for the Gamora solo film with Zoe Saldana, <laughs> I'm just going to say. You're like, what? Gamora solo? Whoa, no,
1: okay, no. No, <laughs> no, please. Again, this guy is not about, he even says, I'm not doing
3: superhero stuff. <laughs> And I'm thinking back to the old John Clancy movies, especially... Tom. And I'm thinking... What'd I say? John. John. John Clancy. I mean, they're making films together. I think they've made two films together, Jane and Willis. And they're both nonstop making shit movies. Yeah, we're usually giving away copies
1: of them. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Just call it out. probably have to cut that <laughs> yeah, or else. I'm or... thinking that won't make the final cut. <laughs> 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 well, this is the laughter of a man that has to say with poker yeah. face. Like, we've got the new Steven Seagal. And, I know. And, you know. <laughs> Triumph, you can win it, you know. Uh New cage jujitsu, get it? Just like I could win a bullet if you fired that gun at me. Oh, this hurts!
3: My stomach hurts. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) that struck me so fucking funny (laughs) because it's so true. It It is so true.
1: There's not a one of those damn films that I would watch. <laughs> Except for The Promising Young Woman. That was like the one time I was like, oh, wow, this is actually a movie. We
3: we also gave away what? We gave away some Tremors and Psycho. So there's a couple.
0: <laughs> Two real movies were given away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>